Hi, this is Jeff Dixon, and I'm the pastor of Word of Life Miami, and I'm glad you've chosen today to tune into this, our podcast. As we go through the series, The Journey, I look forward to you discovering how you can find the Father in the journey and in the destination. God bless you. When it seems like he's left us, when it seems like he's absent, oftentimes it's just him remaining just enough at a distance to cause us to want to draw, to cause us to push and press in so that we would find connection with him. The word of God says, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. And one of the things I've discovered is we are on a journey. Hey, Aaron, before you sit down, can you go ahead and pull that door shut, please? Here we are in week two of the journey. Rachel, I think you'll remember three years ago, I believe it was, when we went to, you went with us on that trip to Shiprock, New Mexico and all of that, right? I was almost positive because I didn't leave you at the restaurant. That's a fun story. Save for another sermon illustration. But do you remember that about, you know, the first, we left Tulsa, or not Tulsa, wow. We left the church Sunday afternoon and we drove all day. Remember all the windmills we saw that day out in the distance as we got past Oklahoma City and then we went into Amarillo and we stayed the night. And then the next morning we all got up and it was like we were in a new world. It's like we landed on the moon, right? And we went into a barrenness. And the, the topography of the land went from what we see out here and green and lush and amazing to brown and red clay and tumbleweeds and rocks. And there was no green. It was all tans and browns and reds. You remember that? And it seemed like we had gone into a wilderness. And if you remember when we got to Shiprock, and I believe it was the second day we were there, we went to the reservation. It was like we'd gone into another country. And the barrenness that was there and the wilderness. And, and I want to describe a wilderness for us because that's part of our journey. The wilderness is part of a journey that we go on. And uh, one of the things that's defined about it, wilderness, it's an uncultivated, oftentimes, and you can, you'll recognize this also, uninhabited, maybe an unhospitable region. You seen the picture there, Rachel? I know... Just me for a minute. Those that are tuning online and everything are just going to have to understand that you and I are connecting on this because you and I were there, right? Yeah, shared experience. Uh, Merriam-Webster um, talks about a tractor region of uncultivated, uninhabited by human beings, an area essentially undisturbed, a remote wilderness, obsolete. Have you ever felt obsolete? I have. Confusing multitude or mass. A bewildered situation. Now, barrenness or the wilderness is something that we don't typically want to go to. When we opened this series last week, we started in John chapter 14 and we looked at an exchange... 
really it was between Thomas and Jesus. And Thomas in chapter or in verse 5 of John 14 says to Jesus, he says, Lord, we don't know where you are going and how can we know the way? And Jesus says to Thomas, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if we're on a journey as believers or people seeking a way, maybe out of the condition that we're in, maybe we're seeking something. We're not necessarily believers online, but we're seekers. You want to find your purpose. You want to find where you're going. You want to find direction for your life. You want to find answers. Jesus clearly says, I am referring to himself, the way. There's so many things around us in this world that make us question things and want to know what exactly is the truth. And Jesus says, I am the truth. And we sometimes find it hard to even breathe and sometimes find it difficult to find an existence and no meaning. And he says, I am the life. We discovered last week that on this journey, we've got to go somewhere and have a destination in mind. And we discovered that no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. And we discovered that the destination on this journey is the Father. It's it's God. It's the one in whom we ultimately want to seek out and having an encounter with. And we found out that it was through Jesus that all of this is possible But if that is the case, if Jesus is the way and if he's the truth and if he's the life and he is the access point to the end all be all, the destination, if he's the access point, the way to the Father, maybe we might have this question, where do we find him? The practical idea would think of, well, go to church, come in contact with a good Christian. But you know, sometimes even we as believers sometimes find it difficult to find Jesus. Maybe there's sin in our lives that make us feel like we've separated ourselves from him. Maybe it's just busyness. Maybe it's the circumstances around us. Maybe it's all kinds of things, a plethora of things that have come down and bombarded us and made us think that maybe he's absent from our lives. And I would venture to say that it's in those circumstances whereby life seems to be the most difficult, where he's the most easy to find. We've just got to know the where. So if you can, you can look at the screen or you can turn in your Bible or you can do both to Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to start here and we're going to watch a connection between Isaiah 40 and then we're going to look into the New Testament and we're going to look at Jesus and we're going to see a great connection of a messenger that precedes Jesus by just a few moments and then we're going to go back to the Old Testament and we're going to walk out of this place not wanting to run from something that in our instinct tells us to run from but we're going to learn to embrace the circumstances whereby we're in because we'll discover in those circumstances is where we'll find Jesus. And I'm going to encourage us to hang out and not rush out. Hang out and not rush out. Isaiah chapter 40, 
We're just going to look at five verses in Isaiah 40. And we've got to realize that the prophet in this moment is not just speaking to his current generation, the current people that are there in that moment. He's not just speaking. Now, he is speaking to them in their condition, but he's encouraging them of a condition that's to come. And not only is he speaking to them in that day, but he's speaking to the Israelites in a day that will come. And then he is speaking to us today. It's a beautiful picture where you can look at a passage of Scripture and see, how it transcends space and time, and it comes to us today. And I love it how it was perfect for them then. It was perfect for Jesus in a specific moment, and it's perfect for us today. And he enters the stage, and he says, comfort, comfort my people. And if we open this passage with these phrases, comfort, comfort my people, we've got to realize they must have been in a situation They must have been abiding in some kind of a circumstance whereby they were in a discomfort. They were outside the realm of comfort. There had to have been circumstances in them. And if you know anything about the history of this, it was in a first part of a three stages of exile. They were leaving the land in which they had comfort in. They were going into a place of captivity and bondage. They were experiencing the the ramifications of the sin in which they had set themselves into. And they needed to have these words spoken over them. And the words were comfort. Comfort my people. And I want us to be encouraged today that when God speaks these opening words to them, he's speaking these opening words to us today and he's declaring over us with words of comfort to you and to me. He's declaring that you are my people. You are called by my name. You are called for a purpose. Even though it may seem difficult, even though it may seem bleak, even though it seems sometimes, and I'm speaking to myself today, that the ground isn't quite paved well that you can't seem to get the momentum that you want be comfort ed because comfort ed because you are my people you maybe you need to say that i am his people or his person i have been called just say that to yourself i am called by his name it says comfort comfort my people says your God. Amen, amen. He's my God. And he says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. And a voice cries, listen, colon. Pay attention to the placement of that colon. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain uh, and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. That was just me bending on that. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your encouragement. God, Thank you for your comfort. You see, he opens here with words of comfort, but he moves to, in verse 3, says, a voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. You see my point today. I'm not going to give you a standard story and then give you observations. I'm just going to talk through this with some ideas and some points as I tell a story and unfold some ideas 
The first idea from here, though, is the wilderness is a place of preparation. What? Where is this voice crying out? In the wilderness. You see, this description that I've given you, the opening talking about the barrenness of the story of our little trip out to western Oklahoma or western United States, um, this, this place where it seems like the, the presence of God might be missing, this barrenness in our lives, this what have you done to me? Where am I? Why are things missing? Why can't things seem to be going? Why am I alone? You see, God has called us to the wilderness. Why? Because it's in the wilderness where we are prepared for what God has for us. In verse 3 again, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Remember, Jesus is the way. And I'm going to first open up by saying we find Jesus in the wilderness. We don't necessarily find him in the flood. The flood's fantastic. He's there, but he's already found when we get there. You don't find him there. You have him there. You find him before the flood. When you find him in the wilderness and you don't rush out of the wilderness, he prepares a vessel by which the flood can be poured out. But we've got to realize that the wilderness is not a negative thing in our lives. It's a positive place where we seek him out. It's in the wilderness where we are prepared. And then moving on to verse 4, every valley shall be lifted up. Get the picture. Every valley shall come up and every mountain made low. The uneven ground should become level and the rough places plain. What's happening here? See, in the wilderness, there's an empowering that takes place. You see, we prepare. We're prepared in the wilderness, but we're also empowered in the wilderness. There's something that happens in the wilderness, in this place where we find our desperation to seek after the things of God, where those those circumstances, those things that were around us that seem to be impossible, that our faith rises up and we're empowered to go into the valleys and tackle those lowly places, but we're also empowered and strengthened to climb to the top of the mountains and stand tall, tall and stand strong because the mountains no longer seem impossible. Uh, uh, impassable and the valleys no longer seem like something that we can be afraid of. And then in verse 5, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. If you remember in our Stopping Jesus series that it seemed like when Jesus revealed who God was or when Jesus demonstrated, it was all for the glory of the Lord to be made revealed. Have you figured out that it's also in the wilderness where the Lord is revealed? You see, there's a process here where we're prepared so that we're empowered and we're empowered. The glory of the Lord is revealed. You see, when we're in the wilderness is where we discover that we cannot do it on our own. And when we discover we cannot do it on our own through this power or through this process of preparation, then we rely on Jesus. And in in that Jesus process, then we're empowered. And then signs and wonders begin to follow us. And then we begin to overcome those obstacles in our lives, not in our own strength, but in the strength that He gives us. And then we discover that We don't take credit. He gets all the credit, and then we give him all of the glory. But I've said it once, I've said it twice, and I'll say it several times today. 
The wilderness is not a negative place to be. Don't rush the process. Don't listen to this message and go, oh, I'm in the wilderness. Praise God, because I can get out of here. If in the wilderness I'm prepared and I'm empowered, but more importantly, if he is glorified, why would I want to leave a place where my God is glorified? Why would I want to escape this place where he's doing a work? You know, Jerusalem was a wilderness at one time, and now it's the most fertile place in the Middle East. They didn't rush out of the wilderness, and now it is a place. It's the greenest place. It's the most fertile place. You've heard of the Fertile Crescent. It is a place where crops produce like never before because they didn't rush out of the wilderness. It's in the wilderness where God is producing. Isn't that an amazing picture? You know, Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days. And we're going to look at that story next in in Matthew chapter 4. We teach out of this passage of Scripture where we deal with temptation and how to overcome temptation. We look at the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. But maybe we look at this in just a little bit different light today in a place of preparation, empowering, and revelation or exalting the Lord. And in verse 1 of chapter 4, again in Matthew, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. Where? Into the wilderness. Something key right there. Jesus was led by the Spirit. What if the wilderness that you're in, and most likely it is, the place that you were led to by the Spirit? We sometimes say, where are you, God? When all along he says, I led you here. I heard a message about the hiddenness of God years ago by by a man by the name of Graham Cook, a very strong prophetic voice. The hiddenness of God is not something to run away from, but it's this place where he is drawing us out to seek him and In this place where the Spirit has led into the wilderness, it says it was a place where Jesus would be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. And the tempter came and he said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Listen to this picture here or see this picture What does the bread that comes from God do for us? Look at this. Our point number one, go ahead and put the next one up, babe. Was the wilderness is a place of preparation. The voice of the Lord is our preparation. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, it's him, it's his voice, it's his words, it's the word of God, it's the Bible, it's his truth. It's hanging on to every word where we find our preparation. It's where he tells us who we are, more importantly, it's where he tells us who he is. That we are prepared for what he wants for us. And Jesus is declaring in the moment of temptation to the enemy, you cannot cause me to step away from who God has for me because I don't live off of what you're offering me. I live off of the voice of God. In the wilderness, what are you living for or living from? Who's pouring into you? 
what escape are you looking for? You see, Jesus wasn't looking for an escape from his hunger. He wasn't looking for an escape from the wilderness. He was looking to God. He was hanging on every word. You remember what it is that causes the the face of God to look or the presence of God or for us to get his attention? It's the one who trembles at his word. That quotation comes from Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we'll look at that in closing here in just a minute. But I just want you to know that when I get to Deuteronomy chapter 8, when Jesus says, man will not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth comes from another wilderness situation. Then going on into chapter or verse 5 here in Matthew chapter 4, it says, The devil took him to the holy city, and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, If you are the Son of God, I like that, if you are. You see, in the wilderness, you're going to be questioned as to your authority and your position and who you are in the kingdom of God and who God thinks you are. And you need to know after the preparation of who God says you are because he's going to come and say, If you are who God says you are, now demonstrate it. And he says, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on the airheads, they will bear you up and strike you and strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You see, when the Lord is your authority, not the wilderness, even though it's a good place to be, not the world around us, not even our circumstances, you see, When the Lord is our authority, or when he is the authority, it's him that does the empowering. Did you see that in my second observation earlier, the wilderness is empowering? You see, it's in the wilderness that we find the Lord. It's in his authority that he empowers. Isn't that an interesting connection between the two? John 14, 11 from our... Last week's message and our opener as we discovered, again, Jesus being our way to the Father. It says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may glorify the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but let's go back to our passage in Matthew. Verse 8, it says, Again, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall not worship the Lord your God, or you shall worship the Lord your God, And him only shall you serve. And the devil left him. Behold, angels came and were ministering to him. You see, in the wilderness, revelation comes showing who we truly worship. Huh. The wilderness wilderness reveals the Lord. Revelation comes showing who we truly worship. You know, it's in the wilderness where we might discover our true colors. It's in the wilderness where... Temptations come. It's in the wilderness where we question the authority of God. It's in the wilderness where we even sometimes begin to even doubt 
But if we hold tight, if we hold firm, if we hold strong, if we hold to the foundations and the truths of what we already know, revelation will come. Our true colors will shine and we'll be here and we'll find our relationship with God strong. We'll find the end result. We'll discover that Jesus was the path. We'll discover that he was the opening door. We'll discover that he made a way. But if I can backtrack just a little bit, I want to show you some grammatical things that I think are pretty fantastic. See, we've looked at Isaiah 40 where the prophecy would come in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. But we didn't look at the completion of that prophecy. Just a few verses before what we just read out of Matthew chapter 4 by going to Matthew chapter 3 and You see, before Jesus went into the wilderness, John the Baptist is on the scene. And it says in Matthew chapter 3, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness. And he says, Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. For for this is he who is spoken by the prophet Isaiah. This is directly connected back to Isaiah 40. When he said, look at this. When he said, now in Isaiah's passage, it said, well, we'll look at that. A voice cries, colon. But in this passage, it says, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, colon. That colon makes a big distinction here. The movement of the colon makes a big deal here. Because in the initial passage with a voice cries in the wilderness prepare the way. It's implying that you've got to go into the wilderness. It implies that you've got to make a way to the wilderness. To find what God is doing. But in the fruition of the prophecy in Matthew, it implies we're already there. Isaiah says it's coming. Matthew says it's here. Isaiah is speaking to a people that something's about to happen to you. And don't run from it. You're about to go into a place of exile. You're about to have some hardships come upon you. But in Matthew, he says, in the hardships, God will meet you. In the wilderness, God is there. It's part of the plan. It's the place in which he intends for you to seek him and not just seek him and be disappointed, but seek him and find him. Listen, this isn't a message that says that we have to 
be in pain and suffering. Because if he is our joy, we can be the happy people in the wilderness. We can be the prosperous people in the wilderness. We can be the healed people in the wilderness. We can be the people walking with our heads high in the wilderness. You see, the wilderness does not affect who we are. The wilderness does not affect our countenance. The wilderness does not affect our position. Jesus Christ is our position. Why would we rush out of where we find him? Why would we see the place of connection with our king as a negative? Why would we be discouraged? For it's not our circumstances that dictate our joy. It's our position with the king that is our joy. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. I don't have this up there. I don't have points with it. I haven't exegeted it. Which means I haven't broken it down. I haven't studied it out. I just want to read it. I just want to let the word of God stand for itself. Can I do that? Listen to this. The whole verse. Chapter. It says, The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live. Did you hear that? That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that that the Lord swore to give your fathers. You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 days or 40 years. Isn't it interesting that Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days and the Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years? Back up to verse 2. You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you. And he let you hunger and fed you with manna, manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know what man does, not living by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out. Listen to this description of the wilderness. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell For these 40 years. Know then in your heart that this man, that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord God disciplines you, so that you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. The Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, fountains, and springs flowing in the valleys and the hills. Listen, if we rush out of the wilderness, the work can't be completed to get us to where I'm about to describe. We have got to go through the process of the wilderness and stay there as long as it takes. It's a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates and a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land 
whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig a copper. You shall eat and be full and you shall, be, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have multiplied then your heart be lifted up And you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness and its fierce serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flint rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do good in the end, reward lest you say in your heart, my powers and the mighty hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go, the other, go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish. Because you will not know and obey the, obey the voice of the Lord. You see, it's the process in the wilderness that causes us to completely trust in him. It's God that gives us the ability to acquire wealth. It's God that's given us the land that makes us go above and beyond anything that we could ever do on our own. This is the power, this is the message of prosperity. This is trust and reliance on him, and it begins in the wilderness. You see the connection? And if we remember what he does in the wilderness, and if we go through the process of his, we could use the word chastisement, which is a positive word in the wilderness, but his, his uh, um, mayonnaise, I just pulled a Jim Dixon out, his, I'll just look the word up. Discipline, that's the word I was looking for. I know, right? What a word to forget. If we trust in his discipline in the wilderness, look look what he did in the wilderness. Manna, he produced water, and it was sweet water, by the way. So all I'm saying today, embrace these times. I know we're all going through stuff. Embrace these times. Embrace what God wants to do. Embrace finding him here and watch what he does because he's with us in this time. The Bible says what we just read in Deuteronomy, he brought us through. He had to be there in the process. We find him there, amen. Well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. I hope it's challenged you and enriched your life. I hope it's helping you live a life closer to service with Jesus Christ. Hey, if it's done anything for you today, if it's meant anything, we could use your support. And there's several ways you can do that. First off, you can pray for us. Pray as we're doing our church plant here in Northeastern Oklahoma that God is totally blessing all of our efforts, but also in the area of support. If you want to give financially to what we're doing, you can go to our website at WLMiama.com. That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I. 
www.gospelmusicgroup.com and click on the Give tab and go through the process there to contribute. And also, if you are in the area near Miami, Oklahoma on a Sunday morning, why don't you join us for our live experience at 10 a.m.? We'd love to see you. God bless.